and welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about following Jesus and the everyday normal rhythms of life. And uh, the podcast is growing a little bit. We've got kind of the the, the stuff that we're, we've, we're, I'm always into, book reviews and things like that. But then we've been doing the um, segment on theology for everyone. And then last week, we kind of started a new segment called Beyond the Sermon. And this podcast today is going to be another of the Beyond the Sermon podcast. And so what we're going to do is answer some of your questions from the sermon on Sunday, the sermon from the Sermon on the Mount, talking about divorce and, uh, well, marriage and divorce and remarriage. And so you guys sent some questions in. I'm going to do my best to answer those. I've got Ben here with me. Ben, say hi. Hey, guys. Uh, my assistant, Ben, is here, and he's going to be reading your questions and giving me a moment to compose myself and to think and, and to Google the answers real quick. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, yeah. So, um, this week, I mean, hopefully you've already listened to the sermon. If you haven't, just stop this podcast and go to our Sacred um, City Church podcast and listen to the sermon. I'm not going to go over it all, uh, but Jesus um, really gives us his theology of marriage, and then he addresses some issues when it comes to um, divorce, and then the issue of remarriage. So um, I'm just going to go. I'm going to I'm going to take it for granted that you've already listened to that sermon. I'm not going to build off of it, so we don't waste any time. Ben, go ahead. Let's roll this thing. All right. First question, which says not really a question at all, but somebody noted. In the sermon, you mentioned Leviticus 24.1, but while I was referencing throughout the sermon, I found that this chapter uh, is actually about lighting lamps in the tabernacle. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, this person checked other nearby books to Leviticus and found that Deuteronomy 24, uh, the start there, covers divorce and remarriage. So I wondered if you wanted to mention this. Okay, yes, I do want to mention it. First off, uh, kudos to you, listener, and thank you very much. One, it really encourages my heart as a pastor that you're actually ch- tre- checking out my cross-references <laughs> and you're following things up later on. That does my pastor's heart real good. And I have no idea how I did this. I was like, oh man, I must have just been riffing and and just said Leviticus. And then I go back to my notes and I actually wrote down Leviticus. And I have no idea why. My Bible on my on my, uh, on my stand next to my computer is open to Deuteronomy 24.1 where it says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some indecency in her and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house and she departs out of his house and if she goes, blah, 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 blah. So I was speaking directly about um, Deuteronomy 24.1 and I said, I wrote down Leviticus 24.1 and said it for some reason. I do this often, actually. Um, it's just one of the ways the Lord humbles me. And, uh, you know, so I do it often. I misspeak often. So I'm glad you caught it. Yes, I was referencing Deuteronomy 24.1, not Leviticus 24.1. Go ahead. All right. Next question. You mentioned something about all of this being different if divorce took place uh, between two unbelievers. And so let's say one of them is now a believer and wants to get remarried or is remarried. What does forgiveness and reconciliation mean for them Or how is this different than a different situation between believers or or something like that? Okay. Uh, 
I'm trying to, I'm trying to put together that scenario. So can you put together that scenario for me a little bit? So towards the end of your sermon, you had mentioned, um, when you were talking about the concessions for divorce, um, you had, had mentioned maybe, uh, if you're in the room and you're divorced, maybe this happened. You and your spouse were both unbelievers. You've since then become a believer at the time you weren't under the blood of Jesus. Now you are, Mm -hmm. um, if you could expound on that a little bit more or what you were thinking. Well, again, it has, you have to be, has to have some detail there. So I'm going off the top of my head again here. Um, In first Corinthians, Paul talks about if there's two unbelievers and one of them becomes a believer and the unbelieving spouse is willing to stay in the marriage. Excellent. Mm. But if the unbelieving spouse divorces you, then they're abandoning you. That's abandonment. Okay. So you're, you are um, free to remarry be, because of that uh, quote unquote abandonment. That's an example of abandonment. Now, if they're talking about, um, this is similar to when I'm in Africa and a guy comes up and he's got two different wives. Hmm. All right. The biblical prescription is not, oh, divorce your second wife and, and, and be honest to, you know, be, and be, cause you're only married to your first wife. The, the it's kind of the, the scenario of this is where you are. You've came to, you came to the Lord at this point. Now, how do we follow Jesus moving forward? So stay as you are, as the, as the apostle Paul would say, stay as you are. And so we would counsel that guy to keep both wives and to be honest to both wives and to be and to take care of all the children mm. because to divorce one of them would would be again to sin against one of them right. in a greater way. And so I think that's what they're getting at if you were let's say you were unbelievers, you got divorced and then uh, your spouse got your your spouse got remarried. Where does that leave you? I would say it's under the it's under the blood now. You're starting fresh. You're starting new. You're you you can pursue remarriage because you were not a Christian. Okay. You were not a Christian when you got when you got divorced. So that's how I would. And now I would again. I would have need to know the details and everything. Sure. Um, but if that spouse was already remarried, I would I would counsel you more than likely um, that you were starting fresh and you need you know you can pursue remarriage remarriage to a Christian now. Hmm. Um, this is another reason why scripture talks about Christians should only be married to and only date and marry Christians because marriage doesn't work like gospel centered marriage doesn't work between an unbeliever and a believer because we talk about putting the other person's needs first, even in the sexual relationship, never saying no. Right. Uh, it doesn't work with an unbeliever because right. they're going to tell you they're they're going to ask you to do ungodly things. They're going to ask you to do sinful things. They might even do abusive things. They might be do dangerous things. They might do sinful things, and so it doesn't work there. Um, and so again, this is just the Bible works collectively, right? He he doesn't just give us arbitrary rules, right? And so this is why we we uh, marriage is meant to be a husband and wife, but also between two Christians, right? Kind of a, a similar question to that. Um, thinking through forgiveness and reconciliation, always you know being the desired goal. So, what does reconciliation look like if that is making peace between two people? What does reconciliation look like if divorce is actually the best option or has has already happened? 
Oh man, I don't like that question just because it's got so many assumptions in it. What do you mean by divorce is the best option? Because I, I like, I want to categorically dismiss that sure. right away because I, I don't like people, people say that all the time mm-hmm. in our world's, the, the two words you have to say in our world is irreconcilable differences. That's the two legal, mm-hmm. legal words that you need to, to use. You know, we have irreconcilable. What does that mean? Like you're into fitness and she's not right. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff or, um, you know, she's a Republican, you're a Democrat. What is, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So divorce is the best option. Let's just assume they mean is the most, is the biblical option as far as a person is, had an affair, mm-hmm. refuses to reconcile, divorces the spouse to marry the um, the one they had an affair with, the adulterer. And then the question becomes what? What's the... What does reconciliation actually look like if divorce has happened? Okay, so you... There's a... Re- so we're, we're, we're given the ministry of reconciliation. We're called to be reconcilers. But we cannot reconcile with every person. Mm-hmm. It's just physically impossible. Um you can't reconcile with an abuser, right? Like if that would mean just to step back into a relationship to be abused right. again. So you, you can't do that. And so there's clear, um, you can't reconcile with a serial and adulterer. If a person is con- consistently continuing in adultery, you can't reconcile with that person. It's physically impossible. Just think of it. You're going, you're walking in opposite directions. You're on the narrow path leading to heaven. He's on the wide path le- leading to hell. You can't reconcile with those two people. Now, you can forgive them in your heart, mm. bring them th- to the throne of grace, receive the mercy and the grace that you need from God to forgive them and release them and just to kind of let them go. You can do that. And that's inward work that's necessary for you between you and God and maybe a counselor or an elder or a missional community leader. But, but um, we can forgive everyone, but we can't reconcile with everyone. Okay. With, uh, if you're walking through this with, uh, an individual or with a couple, um, where one or maybe more of those concessions that could lead to divorce are, are present in the relationship. So abandonment or adultery or abuse, if you're working through that with somebody, um, for the innocent party in that, how do you counsel them with the word of God? And are there any specific scriptures or maybe stories from the Bible that you would draw them to, to experience grace? Okay, man, that, that's kind of a wordy question. So you're, are you asking me, maybe my brain, I've just got brain fog right now. Um, a person who's been, who's been on, who's the innocent party mm-hmm. in adultery in, ad, in adultery, sure. how would I counsel them to reconcile? No, just, I mean, how, how would you, how would you walk through that with them? How does the word of oh. God come to bear on their experience of that? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I would take them. There's a lot of places you you, you could you could go, but um, you know, in, in a strange place, I might take them as I would take them to the Old Testament prophets, where God is calling out his people for being adulterers mm-hmm. and like, and just like, he's just saying how they've left him and they've abandoned him and he's been so faithful to them. He's never forsaken them. He's led them through the, you know, into the promised land and given them all these things. And, and they keep 
he literally says they keep spreading their legs and um, and committing adultery on him mm-hmm. to every you know nation around them and 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 idols, and yet, um, God forgives. God doesn't give up on us. God still sends Jesus um, to be faithful to the covenant where we failed, and so. First off, I just want them to know like the heart of God, that God knows what it feels like to be cheated on. Mm. You know, God knows what it feels like to have, I mean, he, he knows what it feels like to be completely innocent and yet have his creation um, break his break covenant with yeah. him. So I could go there and then we could go, we could go to the, some Psalms because there's going to be some, some serious heartbreak, some serious hurt. Um, and there's a lot of places where scripture, you know, kind of speaks of us as, the victims of other people's sins. So uh, we've been sinned against and the, therefore we're sufferers and we're suffering um, kind of unjustly in a lot mm-hmm. of ways and even as quote-unquote innocent part- partners. And so there's long-suffering there. And, um, and and again, I would just take him to the cross where Jesus, the innocent one, suffers in our place for our sins. And he's the only completely innocent one who um, who suffered innocently, and he mm-hmm. suffered perfectly, and he did that for us. So those are some places I would go, and then um, just to see, I would have to just diagnose where they're at, where their heart's at, what's their attitude, because sometimes they can have a really, they can get angry and have like a right. kind of a proud attitude, and if, and you know, if they really think of themselves as 100% innocent, then I'm going to have <laughs> to bring it up and go like, well, actually there's no one innocent but but God, and, um, and so... You know, there's just a, yeah, I, I think that's where I would bring him to. And then ultimately, Jesus is the only one who will never leave them or forsake them. Yeah, Jesus is the only one who will never, he's the only one that you can have 100% trust in. Like there's no other human being on the planet you can put 100% trust in. Yeah. You know, given the right circumstances, you know, people, people will do almost anything. And so you can never really trust people 100%, uh, but you can trust Jesus 100%. So That's good news. Yes. Next question. How should the children of divorced parents deal with and lovingly confront inevitable issues that arise, especially when these children now have families of their own? So think about things like holidays, family events that at one point were just easy and normal. Now all of those things become tension points because of a divided family. Yeah. Um, when I'm in premarital counseling, this is, again, the genius of Scripture where, G- where, G- where Jesus affirms and um, Genesis affirms that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And what, what, I'm, what that means is you become your own family unit. You are a new family unit. And so I challenge every couple before they even get married in the pre-marriage counseling, determine what our holiday is going to look like. Because you are, it doesn't, you know, honoring your mother and father has nothing to do with going to their house for Thanksgiving <laughs> or, or obeying their wishes anymore. It has nothing to do with that. Mm. You're on, you're called, number one, you're called to honor God first mm-hmm. and you honor God by obeying his word. And his word says to leave your father and mother and cling to your, to your wife and, hu- and husband. So, so what does that mean? Listen, if your parents, no matter what happened, 
if they if you've got a split family and you've got you know new spouses and dating and dating spouse and you've got all this chaos going over there um determine what's best for your family and one of the things that I counsel people to do is I know it's not I know it's not traditional but have them come to your house mm. like have them come to your house oh well my, they don't get along and well that's their problem that's not your problem your problem is not to dance around their their you know insecurities or emotions or their their sin you want your kids I mean, unless you want to do it. If you want to do two Christmases and two Thanksgivings and two Good Fridays and two St. <laughs> Patrick's Days and two everything because your kids get double the presents or whatever, <laughs> then do it. But it's it's stressful. It take what I've seen is it takes you out of your church community, mm-hmm. takes you out of your because you're now you've got to wherever they're at, you gotta go travel to them, and then you've got one that live in this city and one that live in that city or whatever. So it takes you away away from actually forming deep and meaningful liturgical practices or stories or experiences for your family. Mm-hmm. So like we do Christmas Eve around here, and it's something that I love. And and I want my kids to grow up every Christmas Eve worshiping God together with their church community and with their family. And if I had, a, you know, my parents were divorced and one lived in Des Moines and one lived in Muscatine or something, and I'd be trying, oh, how am I going get to get up there to do that and get over there to do that? I wouldn't do it. I'd say, we're going to do Christmas Eve at our house and you can come and celebrate with us. And I, that's how I'm going to lead my home. I'm the leader of my home now. And, uh, and they can they can deal with their own sin and their own weirdness. Mm. They did it. They made the problem. So they can come and deal with it and see their ex-wife for an hour or two hours or whatever. And I'm going to ask them to be cordial and, you know, sure. and not fight. But that's that's some of the ways that I, I, I would counsel them to do it. Leave your father and mother, create your own, um, your own experiences. And um, unless you like doing the two things, and, and if you do, then just create a game plan. All right, my family for Christmas, your family for East, whatever. Mm-hmm. But but create a game plan and don't give your parents the steering wheel. The parents do not have the steering wheel in your relationship. That has nothing to do with honoring your father and mother. Hmm. That's good. That's really helpful. Next question comes with with a little bit of context here. Um, so I'm going to try and start with that and, and end with a question. Um, scenario being, um, have a brother who is married, uh, both nominal Christians, to, to our knowledge, no abuse, abandonment, adultery, but, um, but they were divorced after a couple of years. Fast forward, been married now uh, 27 years, um, but still carries, my brother still carries guilt for the divorce. I believe he refrains from truly seeking God because the divorce makes him feel condemned and he doesn't know how to make it right without hurting this, the remarried family that he has now. Um, how is someone in this type of situation supposed to find hope and a way forward to go and sin no more? How does one honor God and still love and be responsible for one's family? So this kind of connected to the the first question um, that we asked maybe. Um, so what is that hope and, and the way forward for somebody who is currently married but maybe experiencing guilt for a past divorce and yeah. not sure how to work so, through that? There could be a couple that there's probably some layers to that. And I would have to hear this guy's story and and just see where he's at. First off, he needs to have a higher view of the cross and a higher view of the gospel and a higher view of the blood of Jesus. 
that when Jesus went to the cross and died, he died with his adultery as well. He died with his divorce and he did, he divide, he died with all of that on the cross and paid the penalty for it. And so now he is completely free and there is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so he needs to have um, freedom there now. But I would also, I wouldn't just slap that on somebody. I would say, what do you feel guilty about? Mm-hmm. Because more than likely, if he's looking back now, he might see, oh, I can see I sinned in this area, this area, this area. I made these mistakes, that mistakes. Before marriage, you know, wasn't whatever it was. Like he's going to go back and see how he was complicit in it. And he contributed to it, and maybe even see. I think that could we could have worked through that, like we and and he can own that and bring it to the Lord, and receive grace. And there might even be um, a phone call, a meeting necessary between him and his ex-wife to just say, "Hey, I'm really sorry," you know. And this is not. We got to be careful here. This is not an an attempt to, uh, you know, like. <laughs> hook up again, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, this isn't rekindling an old flame or mm-hmm. something. There's, there could be some sinful um, stuff behind that. This is just to say, I sinned against you. Mm-hmm. That was wrong. I found grace in the eyes of Jesus. And I want to tell you, I just want to confess my sins to you and tell you that um, I'm really sorry for the way things worked out. And I hope that you found happiness and I hope that you found grace from God and hope you've mm-hmm. you know, been able to move on. That's good. Next question, what is the point or role of annulment? Does the Bible talk about this at all? Annulment. Um, annulment is another one of those loopholes that legalists create, okay? <laughs> Specifically, the Catholic Church. Well, first off, no, there is a real genuine use for an annulment, okay? Annulment, there's religious annulment, like with the Catholic Church, and there's legal annulment. Basically, you can get an annulment. An annulment is is an, a, basically erasing the marriage as if the marriage never existed mm-hmm. instead of a divorce. Now, what, what, why would you need an annulment? Okay, let's say this: um, you fall, he- you know, you're a sinner, and you fall head head over heels with some some person, and you guys fly to Vegas. And you guys are living it up in Vegas and you're both hammered and you walk into a chapel and Elvis marries you and you wake up the next morning and go, oh no, what did I do last night? I think this happened pretty much to like Kenny Chesney and (laughs) Renee Zellweger. Um, And you realize, oh crap, what did we do? Okay, you can go and get an annulment and you can say, we were inebriated, we were intoxicated, we didn't know what we were doing, boom. And they can annul that marriage. Now, this, now, the Catholic Church has created all kinds of loopholes to get around divorce, and if you follow the history of the you know the kings of England and such, you'll know that they <laughs> they used the, the they used the Catholic Church to get what they wanted and, and create loopholes out of their marriages to mm-hmm. divorce or to get rid of their their wife and spouse and stuff. But there are some real um, uses for annulment. Let's say a person goes through. The wedding ceremony, and then for whatever reason, the spouse does not want to consummate the marriage. Um, that's an that's uh, that marriage, though it's been legally performed, it has not been um, 
constituted, codified, um, consummated in the eyes of God, and therefore that marriage could be annulled. Um, let's say, and then there's even some things like maybe you, you know, you were forced into a marriage or there was some kind of deceit, major deceit involved. It gets really complicated. I, there's nothing in the Bible that I know of, off to, uh, at least off the top of my head, I'm so, about annulment. Mm. Um, but it's some it's something that people look for, like a loophole in the Catholic Church, and they even have it like if you marry, if you you know, I think if you married someone who wasn't a believer, then that marriage can be annulled, mm. um, and like it like it's null and void. So then you can marry okay. again in the future. But not not that I know of, guys. That um, again, I haven't studied it that much, but I don't know of any annulment language in the, in sure. the scriptures or reasons for annulment other than just kind of what I what I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Next one. Uh, this is kind of a broad question. What exactly is considered abandonment? An example being if one spouse seeks divorce um, for no no particular reason and refuses reconciliation, would that be considered a scenario of abandonment? Yeah, so that's a good question. And with that, I could also say, so we said there's three reasons. There's three concessions given for divorce, and that was adultery, abuse, and abandonment. And honestly, all three of those are a little more nuanced than maybe I let on, or I just didn't get a chance to go into them. So there, there's a question is like, is pornography adultery? Mm. Um, and I think pornography can re- can definitely reach the level of adultery. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But, but there's, so here, this is you, this is one of the reasons you need a pastor and you need somebody who can get in the weeds with you on yeah. these and pick apart these issues. Um, but if, if a husband is like, is chronically addicted to pornography and he's, and that pornography is obviously shaping him into a certain mm-hmm. type of person. And now he's bringing that into the marriage bed and when his relationship with his wife and he's becoming cruel or perverted and, and yeah that's that's adultery that is and so he's either going to have to repent and grow and change or you know that could be grounds abuse the same there's the same thing with abuse um there's a lots of ways to abuse somebody mm-hmm. it's not just beating somebody up physically yeah. um but it you know it's let's just say mental abuse abuse or verbal abuse but again those are trigger words in our society that means if your husband asks you, um, you know what you what you did today and why the house is a mess or something, if you stay at home, then that's somehow abuse. Well, no, that's not abuse. You know, like you can get so sensitive with that that mm-hmm. it's just ridiculous. People, so people can try to find like a lot of loop loopholes mm-hmm. in here. You know, like well, you we fight a lot, so that's that's mental abuse. No, that's not mental mm-hmm. abuse. You know, necessarily. You know, it it, it could be. But you need somebody to help you walk through that. And abandonment is the same thing. So abandonment could literally mean they move out, that they just take their stuff and leave. It could be they go on month-long, week-long, two-week-long benders all the time, and they just, they're drug, addicted to drugs, and they just disappear. Mm-hmm. For, that can um, qualify. Being an alcoholic can qualify as abandonment. 
He's abandoning his role as a husband, as a father. Right. He's losing his job. He's do, he's not supporting the family. Um, he, you know, the Bible says a man who does not provide for his own family is worse than an unbeliever. So all of these could be, um, they could they could go under the category of of abandonment, and and they're real they're real instances that need to be walked through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot there's a lot there, but and it's it's pretty nuanced. But I, hopefully, I give gave a, a few examples. Um, but again, none of these are just like guaranteed. Well, they did that. I'm out of sure. here. You know, it, it's all the concession and reconciliation is still the goal. But sometimes, like I said earlier, there some things are unreconcilable. And you know what? Sometimes here's the third option. There's a third option too, guys, of just like we're going to separate for a while. Mm. Like we're just like like with an addict, we're going to push away, and I'm not going to see I'm not going to seek a divorce. And he's doing his thing right now. I'm going to separate, and that might be a year. It might be two years. It might just be we stay like that forever. Hmm. It, it could be like that. And we're hoping and praying for this guy's redemption, this guy's restoration. Um, that's that's the third option as well. Yeah, just kind of a, of a separation. So getting yourself out of the abusive situation, but actually not going through with a divorce. Huh. Okay. I think that I appreciate what you said about um, walking through this and walking through the nuances with a pastor, with, with somebody who <laughs> it's not, I think there's an encouragement in that, that it, it's not up to you or it's not up to us to, to figure all of that out. And is this right? Is it not right? Whatever we, we have pastors, we have leaders who are here Listen, to walk through that. The truth is simple. Okay. Falsehood is really complicated. So hmm. like, think about it like this. There's, there's only one way to hit a home run. It goes over the fence. If it doesn't go over the fence, it's not a home run, but you, there's a lot of ways to not hit a home run. Right, you can whiff the ball completely. You can hit a foul ball. You can hit a single. You can hit a grounder. You can hit a double. You can hit a triple. You can hit a pop fly. You can hit blah 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 blah. You can hit all over. There's only one way to hit a homer. Right? There's truth is simple. Truth is clear. But when you get away from it and you get into falsehood and you get into lies and you get into sin and you get into deceitfulness, that it that's just it can go a million different directions. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost impossible to have like a one you know, one answer to, to answer all sin is too complicated in a sense. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's all the questions that I have that were sent in to us. Is there anything in your reflection of the sermon, you know, kind of when you walked away on Sunday that you feel like you missed or you wish you would have included, or you just wish you had more time for? Well, there's always a lot of stuff. Um, I could, I could talk about, Sunday, the last two weeks have been really weird just because I'm preaching literally to an empty mm-hmm. room because I was on quarantine. But um, I think the main thing is I want our, honestly, what I've been preaching these past couple of weeks, I've been preaching to our kids. I've been preaching to our teenagers. Mm. I want them to have a worldview, a view of the world that understands the goodness of marriage and the perversity, the goodness of sex, even inside of marriage, and 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 I want them to see that that story leads to human flourishing, yeah. the building of community. The well, first off, the building of a marriage, the building of a family, the building of the larger society of a whole. 
And what we're being sold right now in our culture is really a Marxist ideology where it destroy, it's meant to destroy the family. It's meant to create, redefine the family in the sense of just people that want to hang out together. That's what it is now. So you don't have to have a husband and a wife. You, you can have two husbands. You can have two wives. You can have multiple people. You could have polyamorous relationships, you know, six different people involved. There's no covenant. It's just we're in it because we're, we're emotionally together right now. Um, sex isn't just between a husband and a wife. It can be between all different kinds of things. My gender isn't even binary anymore. I can create my own gender. And all of this stuff is, is coming out of a narrative and coming out of a worldview that is absolutely going to destroy our society. It's going to destroy Western society as a whole, mm. and it's promising freedom, and it's going to lead to absolute anarchy and chaos. Mm. And every one of our sitcoms right now, every single Netflix show is imbibing this worldview. Sexuality is fluid. The family is fluid. Uh, marriage is fluid. Divorce is a sacrament. Abortion is a sacrament because if you're going to be sexually free, you have to have abortion and you have to have divorce to be able to change partners and to be able to kill any consequences of that. Mm. And so that's what I've been really thinking a lot about is I want my kids to know it's good to be married. Mm. It's good to have sex with your spouse. It's good to have children. It's good when the world looks at us and calls us bigots and calls us narrow, we should rejoice in that persecution because they're freaking morons who are driving off the cliff right now. Yeah. They're driving off the cliff as fast as they can go and they don't see the bottom. And when in our Christian worldview, we see the bottom. Mm -hmm. God created gravity just like he created the institution of marriage. You drive your truck off the cliff, it ends in flames. Mm -hmm. you, you run your sexuality the way you want to do it and not the way God, you're going to end up in flames, families, flames, society in flames. And we've inherited a Western society that's built off of Christian values. Now, I'm not saying it's all totally Christian, but it's built off of Christian values. And as you try to cut out Christianity from those Christian values, you're, you're creating an alternate worldview that's going to destroy the things that we hold most dear, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. Um, off the top of my head, that's that's what I would say. Um, and then, yeah, dang, I wish I would have re realized I was saying Leviticus 24, not Deuteronomy <laughs> 24. Beat myself about that kind of stuff up. Like a couple weeks ago, I said, uh, I was talking about BC before Christ and AD after death. Instead of Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. Mm -hmm. After death, I'm pretty sure I learned after death when I was like in kindergarten uh -huh. somehow. And I just, yep. it came out of my kindergarten brain. Totally. And not out of my... Scholar brain. So, and I, I said it from the pulpit, and somebody came up and said to it. And I was like, I said that. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, God dang it, why am I so dumb? So, yeah, I say all that kind of stuff all the time. So, well, guys, hopefully this was helpful. The other thing I want you to know, man, I just really want you to know if you've had a divorce, if you've experienced a divorce, that there's mercy, there's grace, there's love, there's kindness, there's a future for you. And um, intimacy with Jesus is where that's at. I don't know if that means you can get remarried. I don't know what that means for you in the future, but. Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus draws you into the family and he promises to love you like no spouse has ever loved you. And so that's the, the great news of the gospel. So hopefully this was helpful to you. Ben, thank you. I'm glad I didn't have to read all those um, questions that really helped me. Hey, my pleasure. And guys, listen, from now on, if I've got, if you've got questions during the sermon, 
Um, you can either email, just email me those questions and Ben can compile them and I will literally do this every single week if you guys have the questions. So I just want to be helpful to you. I love you guys. Uh, like us, share us uh, wherever you, you've got us. Uh, spread this around so more people can find us. We love you and uh, God bless. God bless.